Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. And for our wonderful listeners in Mexico who recently made us the number one hockey show on Apple Podcasts in Mexico, Donna C. Caballeros says Noche de Hockey in Nueva York. Gracias. <laughs> Welcome to the program, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Floor Media right here in Rockville Center. Got a fun show coming up for you tonight. Obviously, uh, a little bit on a sad note with the Islander season ending, but we got plenty to talk about. Mike Carver from Sports Grid is going to join us. Stefan Rosmer is with me tonight. Stefan, how are we doing, bud? I am doing fantastic. But, Sean, I think you have some new additions to the back wall here. You know, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, got some mascot pals up there, a little Sparky, a little Niles. Uh, Want to send a big thanks out to Scott Madrinsky here, a uh, buddy of mine who uh, does some fantastic artwork. And uh, you can check that stuff out at mojoswork.com. Yeah, a little, uh, little uh, paintings there on the set there. I love them. Little pals there. So there we go. Some, fantastic some mascots. So, yeah, thank you, Scott. Really appreciate it. So uh, before we dive in, as always, want to thank our wonderful sponsors, as we are proud to be presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, and of course, UBS Arena. Also, a big thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola, and of course, Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. So, Stefan, it's all over, man. Yeah, it's just all like over. that. Just <laughs> it's all like over. That. Six games. We took a little break last weekend, and uh, maybe to recharge the batteries a little bit, a little exhale on the season, but uh, the Islander season has come to a close. We got plenty to talk about. We haven't heard from Lou and Lane yet in the uh, the media. We got to you know figure out what's going to happen this summer. A lot of big question marks. So why don't we start with just how this season ended and maybe just dive in for a little while into this uh, into the six game series that the Islanders lost. Well, let's start with Game Six. It was a microcosm of the Islander season. Sorokin mm. stands on his head, and then you know obviously that last goal that goes in can't go in, but it does. But it was more that so the fact. He battled the whole game, kept him in it. They couldn't get that one goal they needed, and they lose. I mean, that was Mike Crosman the whole year. Sorokin and Varlamov, too. Like, they just played their tails off. Islanders couldn't get the goals when they needed to, and they lose the game. Right. You had one blowout for the Islanders that happened late in the game, yes, but you had another blowout for the Canes. But the rest of the series was tight. Every play, it seemed like you were kind of on the edge of your seat just waiting to see what was going to happen. It seemed like every... You know, play in that series had a lot of magnitude, and it kind of did. And you have one goal wins for the rest of the series, and it probably could have gone longer. And maybe a, a bounce here, a bounce there, maybe a call here, a call maybe there. A, a power play goal. Could have changed the series. <laughs> well, yes, we're going to get into that in a second. But just how close was this series? Oh, it was, it, it was a, you look at the Hurricanes, right? Very good team. I think they were maybe better, people thought, but also with all the injuries, you saw that, okay, as good as they are. Mm-hmm. The Islanders could win this series, and if the Islanders had won this series, it wouldn't have been a shock. I know we talked to talk to Mike Morial, um, yeah, and he said, you know, I see the Islanders winning this. And Plenty of people picked the Islanders look for the at series. Five on five, Islanders were the better team. It was Absolutely. just special teams killed them. Yes, poor goaltending in big moments. You know, game two, unfortunately for Sorokin, just tough game for him, and we all know how that game ended. But yeah, that, that, to me, it's almost as if the Islanders did fail not beating the Hurricanes because. All they needed was just a better, like again, special teams. We knew in the playoffs the special teams were going to have to be better. And the, the penalty kill early was pretty bad. But the power play was going to be the biggest thing is when the Islanders do get the chances because the Hurricanes are usually so good right. limiting chances five on five. Right. 
that you just need that power play to come through, and it goes, what, one for 18? They allow five to the Hurricanes, and that, that was the series right there because yeah. you could have put some games away if your power play comes through, and they just they didn't. Yeah, in previous runs for this team, they were almost able to win despite the special teams, despite their power play. And in this series, it was just so plain and simple right in front of you that the power play was the difference. Yeah. You score a couple of goals here. The Islanders could have won that game in five if they could score power play <laughs> goals during the right, you know, in the right games. You look at game one, they would they go 0 for 4 and they allow two power play goals. Right. You, you, again, you get a power play goal, you probably make that close. I mean, you don't win that one. Game two, you definitely win. You put them away. I just, again, it was just, we knew it was going to be an issue. And the other thing is the change never happened until game six. You're telling me you go, right. every game after every game in the playoffs, we'd ask Lane, you know, your, your top power play unit, it's not working. These are the five guys that have to get it done. And I understand that if you're a team like Boston who goes into the playoffs, one mm-hmm. of the better power plays in the league, and it just doesn't work in the playoffs. Well, these five guys clearly did it during the regular season. So they could do it now. Right. The Islanders never did it. And maybe like a stretch there. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it looked better with Barzal and Horvat back. But you wait until game six to take Dobson off the top unit. At that point, yeah, again, you didn't get a goal. But at that point, you know, Aho had shown you over and over, even this year, let alone late in the season and early in the playoffs, that, mm-hmm. hey, he's, you know, that pet, that shot from Palmieri tip for the game right. winner, you know? Right. He showed that he could do it and gets the shots through and didn't have issues. And they just kept going to Dobson, who clearly looked uncomfortable. Um, uncomfortable all year at quarterback. And then when Barzal got back, it was more of, let me just get Barzal the puck. And we, that drop pass when Jordan Stahl got on that shorthanded breakaway. Those are plays that can happen, and you don't make the changes. Again, you want to stick with the guys that got you there, but it's why the game is played. On paper, doesn't matter. These are the five guys that should get it done. They never did. So as, even playing the second unit just more than the first, or... You know, I thought personally, yeah, you know, in retrospect now, it looks a little stubborn of Lane and the coaching staff to to stick with that and, and just kind of cross their fingers and hope that they just magically figure it out. And, and again, it's just, you have to adjust. The game is, mm-hmm. you have to adjust in the playoffs. I thought that Lambert was outcoached by Brenda Moore, especially a couple of games where Lane kept going back to the fourth line, which was clearly struggling. And Brenda Moore was loving it because he was just abusing it. And that's, again, that's experience in the playoffs, but... You know, someone's got to, you know, Lane's doing this his first year, but he's got assistant coaches that have experience being assistant mm-hmm. coaches. I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. someone would talk to him just after the game about, hey, oh, you can't get caught again. They're on the road, matchups are different. Mm-hmm. But there was just decisions that were made that, you know, it could change. Again, it comes back to the players as well. You know, we could you could blame coaching for everything. You know, if Dobson's going to stay on the power play, Dobson, pick your game up. You're in the playoffs. It's the it's, pa- it's the wild to to have so much negative to say about a player who had another nearly 50 point season in Noah Dobson. Well, look you know? at Carlson. He's going to win the Norris, but his defense was atrocious. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I saw you tweet about it. and It's been said many times. Not to go off on a tangent here, but they they need two different trophies oh. for defensemen. If you're going to give it to the point producer every year, fine. But you got to have one for the I mean, defensive. The guy. defenseman is in the name of the position. right. It's literally yeah, their, it's, job their job to, job to is defend. To stop yeah, pucks. it's it's pretty silly. But that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> yeah. But look, ultimately, it was it was a very tight, close series. Yes, it ended in six. Maybe it should have won seven games. And again, a couple of bounces here or there, a couple of power plays here or there, and not only you're probably looking at seven games, but you you might even be looking at an Islanders you know series victory. So with that in mind, and also. 
looking at what Carolina did in the first two games of their series against Jersey, now obviously today didn't work out too well for them, but and also the field that's kind of open now with Boston yeah. out and with Colorado out, and you look at it as maybe a missed opportunity here, but you take all that in, in mind with how close this series was. I mean, are big changes needed for this team? Are they justified when you look at how close they might have been to going further in this playoffs? Let me ask you, do you count this as a successful season? I think that's a great question. I think the I think the that an- stems the next answer. I think the answer to that is no. Okay. It's not. But let me ask you this question. Okay. What would you have considered a successful season? That's a very yeah, good question. Yeah, throw it back at you, bro. Um, <laughs> I think losing a series that you could have won makes it a failure. Let's say you went in and the Hurricanes were just the better team. Mm-hmm. Like, you had no shot to win that series. You didn't win a game. You mm-hmm. just got outplayed the whole time. That reflects poorly on Lou and Lane. Mm-hmm. You know, you caught success because they crawled in and they just got killed by a better team. The fact that they lost to a team that they definitely could have beat, to me, it's a failure. Again, they could have gone back to the semifinals and lost to a juggernaut team. And, mm-hmm. okay, that's the successful season because you probably should have, again, you got killed by the better team. I just thought that the Islanders really could have beaten Carolina, and that's why, for me, it's a failed season. Again, I don't think making the playoffs either for this group was a success. Again, given what happened this year, you could take it as a mini success, but this team is not built to just, you know, this team's older. If this was a young mm-hmm. team like the Devils, making the playoffs and getting passed around and then whatever happens, that's a success to me. For just this group needed to show more in the playoffs. Again, you could lose if you get outplayed. Just the way that series went, a winnable series with the, mis- the reasons why they lost is, to me, why it's a failure. So we both agree that it's a failed season. I think that the real question is just how much of a failure was it, and is it is it a big enough failure to justify not only making roster changes but also maybe bigger changes up top, which we'll get into. But we got a break because Mikey Carver is going to be joining us. So I want to thank you all for tuning in here to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. And, of course, your favorite podcast provider is going to take that break. We will be right back. Hey Islander fans, you already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal. And now, you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, All three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The train rolls on here at Hockey Night in New York. And joining us right now from Sports Grid and, of course, the beloved ILC podcast, Mr. Michael Carver. Mikey, how you been, brother? What's going on? Hey, boys. What's going on? I don't know if it's beloved anymore. I mean, if it oh, barely exists, is it still beloved? Buddy, I don't know. it is, it is so, etched in Islander fan history, brother. It is it's etched be there. From, it's from etched then there. until the end of it's time. Never been, never been officially retired. Oh, but, there you go. Okay. There so, you go. So, so I'm trying to never announce been something? Officially. There's, there was ne- right. I'm not announcing yet. Trust me, there will be no announcements about that. <laughs> <podcast tonight. laughs> but 
there was never an official retirement. It's, it's a hiatus, so. buddy. It's it's not over. It's just uh, a hiatus. Yeah, it's a hiatus. Who knows when it ends, but it's a hiatus. Well, it's good to have <laughs> you here, pal. Glad to get you on for uh, for Little Isles Talk. Uh, just before uh, you came on, we were talking about whether or not this season was a failure for an Islander. So why don't we just start with that and pitch it to you. What do you make of this season for the Islanders? They obviously missed the playoffs last year. Um, Barry Trotz's final season. Lane Lambert takes over, gets them back into the dance, but obviously they're out in the first round. Uh, what do you make of this season for the Owls? Uh, it's tough. It, it really is. I I feel like there probably should have been a little bit more. Sure. So I, I think it has to be on the disappointing side. I think the thing that probably disappoints me the most is the whole reason that they allegedly got rid of Trots, right, is because Lane was going to inject more offense into the team, right? right. Wasn't that yeah. the... Wasn't that the the whole trick? And <laughs> yeah. I, I I honestly didn't feel uh, that that was the case whatsoever. I thought that Sorokin was outstanding, and he was the best goalie in the NHL this year. I know that uh, they're going to give it to the other guy because his team was so good. <laughs> the other guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but well, I mean, it's just it's silly. It really is, and that that's just what these awards right. have become now yeah. is that kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. But I think all in all, I go, I lean slight disappointment. Okay. I think that's where we were at to yeah. a degree. Yeah, for sure. All right. So speaking of the slight disappointment and, and the question marks that kind of remain for this summer for this team, everybody's wondering where Lou and Lane are, right? They haven't spoken to the media yet. They weren't around for the exit interviews. It's, it's been over a week now. What does that say to you? Do you think there's going to be a big shakeup coming, or maybe they're just trying to sort things out? And do you, do you think they're going to make a lot of changes? No changes? Where, where do you see this going, man? When they first didn't talk uh, the first day or two there, mm-hmm. I was like, "Yeah, no big deal." Right. They, this happens all the time. I mean, this is they they usually don't talk the same day as the players. Uh, you know, they'll have their own their own deal a few days later. Now that it's gone on a week. Now, I think once you hit the week mark is when you can start to say, all right, what's going on here? Right. Do we have a situation where they're discussing things? I mean, because look, uh, you know, you have a couple of teams that their season obviously went a little bit longer. The Rangers were a few more days and they got rid of Gallant over the weekend. Calgary didn't make the playoffs and it took them weeks uh, to figure out that they weren't going to go with Sutter anymore. So right. I think it's completely out of the question that maybe that's what they're discussing. I'm hoping it's more maybe on the loose side. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they're that they're discussing, but okay. uh, hopefully something's on the table if those guys haven't kind of put the ribbon on the season yet. And if they were to make some changes, is there a certain direction you'd like to see them go, or are you kind of just like, hey, you know, let's see what they got? Because I'll be honest with you, for me, ask Lou to step aside. I don't even know who the guy is you're bringing to take his job. So you got better all not these be his pe- son. Right, that's what all the Islander fans are saying. Right, for sure. But, you know, you have so many fans out there saying, he's got to go, he's got to go, the game's passed him by, it's time to move on from Lou. Great, but who's the guy who's taking over? Who's who's getting the job done better? It's weird because if, if that's the way that you were going to go and you were going to maybe move on from Lou, it sounds like listening to Trotz after him taking over in Nashville, mm-hmm. it, it sounds like he wanted to move into a role like that. Mm-hmm into more of a, you know, the czar of the team, the general manager type role. And if that's, you know, if that was something that maybe Barry expressed uh, to the Islanders and they decided, nah, you know, Mm. we got Lou going here, maybe they missed the boat a little bit there Mm. and maybe they should have did this a year ago. But um, I don't, I, at the end of the day, I don't believe uh, that Lou's going to go anywhere because I I think that he's, got a lot of uh, trust and respect with the mm-hmm. ownership that's there now, and I think that they are going to 
let him kind of go at his age to wherever he wants, unless things got completely catastrophic, you know, that, you know, they're picking the top three in the lottery next year. Yeah. I mean, Lou, Lou mm. might be pushed out the door, but until I, until I see it, I just don't believe it. The last time we waited a week to hear about anything was the trots firing uh, last year. But I wanted yeah. to ask you, uh, Mike, is the fact that when you're looking at this season, how do you view Lane Lambert's job and what he did? I honestly don't think much of it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that he – see, I'm still – I'm not going to lie to you guys. A year later, I'm still upset that they fired Trump. Sure. Like, I just am. I, I really yeah. am. I, I don't I don't believe in firing Hall of Fame coaches. No. Yeah. I, 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 I don't, believe, I, I don't right. believe in firing Hall of Fame coaches off of one – what about, what about where, Hall of Fame general managers? Firing Hall of Fame <laughs> coaches. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I got, I'm, I'm more in on the coach, and the, the coach means more to the everyday mm-hmm. sure. uh, operation of the team. And I get it, general manager builds the team. Everybody has to do their part. Right. But I'm still not over uh, them firing. I don't trot. think I ever will be, Mike. <laughs> I'll be I, upset I mean, about because, it ten years from now. <laughs> look at when you look at what he did, yeah. and then the one bad year that he has. Now we don't. Nobody likes excuses, but mm. there's probably ten to fifteen things you could ring off that happened last year that yeah. you could make this really large pile of excuses as to why yeah. they missed the playoffs. Um, I, I think that the Lambert stuff is still kind of incomplete to me. Okay, I don't completely love what I saw the first year. Mm-hmm. I would. Would I give him another year? I don't know. I, I <laughs> guess I'd go another one. That doesn't sound very good. I know one thing. I don't need to fire him to just bring in some of the stale bread that's out there now. You know, I, I don't bread, need guys who – Oh, stale bread. I mean, honestly, guys, <laughs> like I love I love Peter Laviolette as much as the next guy, but there's a reason why he's coached half the league since he left the island. Mm. You know, and I love – you know, I mean, Sutter? I mean, get serious. It's like, I'm not saying those guys have been linked to the Islanders. They've been more right. linked to the Rangers, as you know. They're just names, but, yeah. They're just names. They, they've all coached a billion teams. Right. I, that's just – why fire him to bring in just somebody else that's stale bread? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, my mindset was Lou. Lou's not an idiot. For people that think he is an idiot, he's not. You, <laughs> They're the idiots. Right. Yeah, you're the idiot. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, he's not an idiot. Right. No, and I, obviously he knew that Lane was going to make rookie mistakes as a head coach. I think yeah. where, where Lou did fail was not bringing on the assistant coaches that could have helped Lane more. John McLean, obviously someone Lou knew. And remember, they hired someone before Johnny Mack to run the power play. And that guy wasn't allowed to be hired because he had a sexual assault allegation going on. So yeah. I think what yeah. happened was, whether he was second or third, Lou said, I got to hire someone, hired a, f- a friend, obviously, that he has. Yeah. And you look at the, again, I don't want to blame a coach for why there's five guys on the ice that just seemingly could not get the puck in the zone and score goals. But the lack of changes, you know, Lane has a lot that he's doing in-game. The power play coach has to get the power play going, or he doesn't have a job. So, to me, yeah. I th- I think you know Lane didn't get enough support, and even the defense with with Huda, the, the defense took a step back. Even though Pelic, when he came back, finally looked like himself, he regressed a little a little bit. He looked bad. Dobson struggled mightily. I mean, we saw a lot of issues with things that aren't really right. Lane's yeah. job. Essentially, mm-hmm. the whole he has to oversee everything. Right. But his I think his assistant coaches failed him a lot as much as just. You know, a lot of his players did. I, I think that when you – you just said it perfectly. There, You expected some aspects of the team to improve, and when you really break it down, none of them did. None, in fact, you know, and, and you could say goaltending, sure, but that's because they, 
they have one of the three best goalies in the league. Right. I mean, that's that's honestly why their goaltending and improved. And the goal scoring but, bumped up a little bit. I mean, marginally. I mean, a touch, a almost touch. three but goals where, a game. But but where but where is it? But where is it league wide? Where was it league wide? It was up. You know, it, <laughs> it was. Uh, but I mean, come on. I mean, it's just, you, you, but I, I expected more goals with this guy taking. Everybody, yeah. these guys, the players wanted him out because they wanted more offense. You know what I mean? Let's right. be fair. They right. they stand back. They. The guys like Barzal, and Barzal, you could read between the lines every time he talks. It's the second year in a row. Every time he talks, not read between the lines. He wants and a Mike, more up-tempo, faster game. That's did, what he wants. Did they not kind of learn that that didn't work, and they kind of ended up going back to more defensive hockey anyway? Oh, they played trots hockey. Sure. Right? right? That's so, how they got in. Right. They it's, shut exactly, it down the last exactly. six weeks, and they, and they played a Barry style, right. and that got them in the playoffs. Yeah. So the defense wasn't the same. The offense wasn't as good as it was supposed to be, and nobody has ever unlocked the power play. It's been garbage since before even Barry was here. You know before, what, I mean, it, it's just it's it's embarrassing. You know what they need, Mike, and I don't know if this guy exists out there, but the Islanders need the Mitch Corn of power plays. They need that power yeah. play guru out there somewhere that well, they can hire and solve yeah, this yeah, thing. But does, I don't even know if that well, guy the one, exists. Well, there wasn't, that, there wasn't the one magician from Toronto supposed to be that. And that turned around. <laughs> the, the, who was that? What was his, uh, what was his name? Uh, the guy from He Toronto, went to L.A., right? Oh, 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 yeah, you know that's, he's L.A. coach about. right now. Yeah. He was our, the power play coach of the Islanders last year. Yes. He's a, he's a, he's a yeah. big, big, big power play guru when they brought him. Everybody <laughs> got all excited. And when, right. it's the same thing as always. If they could score a couple power play goals against Carolina, they might be playing this week. This is what we you were know, just saying. Kind of, that's LA, what it comes way. down to. LA had the Hiller, right? Power Hiller. 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 Wasn't his name Hiller? Hiller, Hiller. yes. Hiller. Hiller. Nicely Hiller. There is it Jim Hiller? There you go, Jim Hiller. We'll go with Jim. Power play guru. <laughs> guru and power play. Anybody's a power play guru when they have Austin Matthews, Mitch Barner, uh, William <laughs> Nylander. Right. You know, right. Come on. Like, seriously. Uh, all right, another, another, while we're on the power play subject, there's a lot of people that said and that they're not skilled enough on the power play. Do you think the five guys out there have the skill to come through on the power play? Yes. All right. So then yes. at that point I with do. an answer, I mean, again, I thought it was also yes. You look at, you know, 30 goal scorer Nelson. Lee scored 30 goals recently. Horvath over 30 goals. Dobson now is an offensive defenseman. Barzal does his thing. I don't understand. They, I think they try They're number too one. Hard. They have enough talent that their number one power play unit should be able to score. Absolutely. They do. Absolutely. But I think it's more nuanced than just, well, oh, then it's the coaches then. I think yeah. also, because you look at the way that the players performed in the power play too, and there was, they were, they were very timid at times. I mean, and a yeah. reason why Stefan, before you came on, was arguing for Dobson being taken off power play one a, a lot sooner than he was, because I feel like his confidence was just shot. It just got worse and worse over the course of the season. And I felt like the guy just was too afraid to put pucks on the net. And you saw a lot of passing back and forth. And every now and then you saw some good setups with the power play and they had some chances. Ultimately, they didn't go in. But it just almost seems like the, these guys got so much into their heads where they were just too afraid to put pucks on the net because they just assumed it wasn't going to go in. And their power play goals they yeah. scored. Just, the last two power play goals they scored the, from, I think it was the game against Montreal and in the playoffs, was Sebastian Ajo taking little baby wrist shots from the point, getting him on target, and players were deflecting them. Right. I, Again, yeah. clearly show that you just have to do be, get if you have bodies in front, you have a better chance of causing chaos in the slot and getting th- playing per- on that perimeter. It doesn't work. Teams know what you're doing. Well, Mike, with all that in mind, 
You we talked about the the staff now, right? The GM and the coach. You look at the roster, you look at the personnel, whether it's power play or just the team as a whole, looking at the next upcoming 82-game season. Does this team, whether or not they can make the changes, does this team need some big-time changes to to get this team to the next level or maybe some subtle things? Is there anything they can do to improve the roster? You're looking down this summer, whether it's free agency or what have you, where, you know, does this team need to unload a couple guys, bring some guys in to make some, you know, the, the right changes? I don't know if it's possible considering yeah. some of the contracts that they have. Right. Um, but if if it was manageable and, and it was able to be due, I would I would I would really upset the Apple card. I would I would wrangle wow. a lot of okay. things around. I would because look, I, I mean so long the cycle can go and I, I think that out of the group that you have, that's the core of it has been together for a long time now. They made two Final Fours, Eastern Conference Finals, whatever you want to say. Mm. Made the playoffs another couple years. They had one miss. I just I I think that this kind of group has run its course. I'm not saying get rid of everybody. Obviously, sure. there's guys that you could that that are obviously big players, but there I try to change some things up uh, and mix some things around and, and go in a different direction. Okay, and I guess just to piggyback off of that, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, so you don't have an answer for me. That's fine. But is there anybody or any certain position that you're eyeballing? This is hey, this is a this is a position the Islanders can improve, or this is a guy I'd like to see them pick up. You know, whether it's a guy on D like Gostas Bear or something like that. Uh, I would absolutely uh, something on the back end. I think that they were very bare, especially in their third pairing this year. Um, I, I would probably let. I know that Mayfield's up. I, I'd probably let him go. Okay. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd probably look to to just bring in some new guys. Like obviously, Pelican, Pulak, you, you know, they're not going anywhere, and they're in the mix. And you have Dobbs. I, Dobson digressed this year. There's no question there. He wasn't mm-hmm. right. Uh, he wasn't as good this year. Mm-hmm. In the forward group, I mean, look, I, I think that I think it, obviously Bailey's probably going to be gone one way or the other. He wasn't right. really part of the mix anyway. They've got some younger guys that they moved in. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's I think it's time with that fourth line. I just okay. think it's time. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's. I know everybody loves it, uh, but sure. I think you have some guys that you've kind of brought in the last few years that maybe can become part of a new uh, fourth, whether it's fashion, mm-hmm. other you know, maybe can mix with Sezikis. You know, I think there's some other things that you can do there now, and you know, I, I, it's hard to find middle six forwards, but I, I think that I would try to find my way. Like I said, this is all hard things to do because they have some right. unmovable, unmovable. Pieces, for you know, sure. that, that's going to make it difficult. And if they can, do they bring Pierre Engvall back? Did you like him? I didn't mind him. <laughs> okay, I, I bring him back. I, I mean, I don't want to, you know, <laughs> okay. if, if there's some sure other changes, sure. But I mean, it, listen, he's a cheap option, mm-hmm. and when you have the kind of contract that this team has, you need cheap options. You need sure. a couple. You need speed. So. <laughs> All right, Mikey. Well, listen, yeah. man. Uh, always a pleasure having you on, man. Good, good talking to you. We'll let you get going, but uh, thanks so much, and uh, enjoy the summer, brother. All right, boys. Talk soon. Always good to see you. All right, Mikey. Take care, man. Thanks, Mike. All right. That was the great Michael Carver from Sports Grid and, of course, the fabled Isle Seat podcast. So, Stefan, any commentary on what we discussed with Mikey there, talking about maybe some potential offseason moves, some guys you keep, some guys you unload? What do you think? Yeah, well, again, we were just talking about before we went to the interview is that, you know, you look at this group, and besides one regular season under trots, making the playoffs, they finished second, I think, one in the second year, with the squad, it's been an absolute grind just to get in. Right. I mean, looking at the NHL, look at so many of these teams. Speed and skill in the regular season. Does it mm-hmm. work out in the playoffs all the time? No. But in the, the regular season and the playoffs are two completely different sports, in my opinion. Sure. 
Because again, if you if you're a playoff style team, you know how to play in the playoffs, you're good. But there's some teams like, for example, the Devils. You know, no matter what the Rangers did in that series, you can't like the Devils' speed's not going to disappear. You can do everything you want to try to slow them down, but every day the speed's going to be there. When the Devils got going and got momentum, you, there's something they could do. Mm-hmm. Like t- uh, tonight, they beat the Hurricanes eight to four. That speed and those top players weren't there last couple of games, but right. it was, and there's nothing really the Hurricanes could do. Mm-hmm. And look at the Islanders, and it's just, they're not fast. They have some fast guys. Again, that's why Engvall is probably rather important you bring back, or someone mm-hmm. like Engvall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you need speed. You need young speed and young skill, and that's just something the Islanders don't have a lot of. And my mind is, you know, there's pieces you have to move on from, for sure. Josh Bailey, given his exit interview, pretty much said, I'll be mm-hmm. back, but I'm not sitting and watching. Well, right. you look at the roster, he's coming back, he's sitting and watching. Right, like I don't see where if he's not if he didn't play this past year, he's not playing now, and I think that and you can't pay him five million no. a year to be a spare forward. And what I do want to say is, people want, buy him out, buy him out. Mm. Sure, buying him out, I think saves the Islanders two point three million um, next year. But then you have a cap penalty of one point six million, and that's going into the offseason where you got to pay Sorokin a lot. Like you want to have as much money. That offseason as possible. It doesn't take as much off this coming year. You get more off after that. No, but again, you have to pay that penalty because now he's on the books longer, which means that that year you have to sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, yeah it's, you, it gets split yeah. out over over the future years, but I'm pretty sure that this first year, if they were to buy him out, they cost him like 2.6 off the cap, and then after yeah. that's like 1.6 for the next like three yeah. or four years, whatever it but is. But I'm just saying, we're in a salary cap board. Yes, Two it's going to go up, but you could also waive Bailey, and then his, then his cap hits significantly less, which might save you a little mm, more. But again, that's saves just, you about a mil. Yeah, it's not... Again, you can't come here sitting for five minutes. What I think you have to do is there is a team like... Maybe not the Coyotes, like the Blackhawks, to get to the cap floor. Bring on Bailey. Like, they would do it. It's not, you'd have to probably throw a draft, but at this Send point. Send him over there with a third. You need cash this off. The, the five million is probably more valuable right now than a third round pick, especially if they're trying to win now anyway. Before they signed Hudson Fashing, they had $6.9 million to play with. And speaking of that, Hudson Fashing, two-year deal, good for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, you look at what he did this year, 10 goals, 9 assists in 49 games played. Finally made it and stuck on an NHL team. Good for him. You get to you get to see his growth this year, and just as the person too mm. in the room, he grew on off the ice as well. One point five five million over two years, great deal for him. Matthew Maggio, by the way, too, a three year yeah, yeah. entry level deal. The guy went off in his final season in juniors. Fifty four goals, fifty nine assists. If I can read my handwriting correct, in sixty six <laughs> games, he did play three games for Bridgeport. Had two assists. That's a okay. You have to, I mean, ELC. You might as well do it. That guy went undrafted two years ago. The Islanders got him, I think, in the in the fifth round. Mm-hmm. But going back to you know, a guy like Fashion comes in mm-hmm. again. That pushes Bailey out. Yeah. And then there's other moves you have to make. Like I know Mike said, you let do you let Mayfield go now. One thing that Lou should get credit for, which he doesn't because it's Lou, <laughs> is he's very good at retaining yeah, yeah. talent. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, getting Pulak at six. Maybe that's a little bit overpaid because he never brought that offense you thought he'd bring. Mm. But but Pelic being top pairing Pelic went healthy. Pelic being healthy is probably the one or two shutdown defensemen in the league to mm. get back to that at five something. So could Mayfield take a home? He was on a bargain deal. What was it? One point two five million or whatever. Yeah, it was. he was definitely underpaid. Yeah, but for could a he good come back? For a team-friendly deal, sure. Does he deserve to go and test the market and get a lot more? 100%. So I think if you let Mayfield go, and I wrote about the other day, is, you know, if you're letting guys go like that, for example, Engvall, as long as you bring in someone that has speed as well, you're fine. When the Islanders traded Nick Letty for, you know, a cap move, their biggest issue wasn't that they didn't bring Letty back. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have a player with that kind of speed to fill it. Like, they didn't go and sign another guy like a Letty. They brought in 44-year-old's Dano Chara. 
Yeah, it's you, funny. Yeah, keep going. No, it's funny. I was actually looking over the, the evolution of the Islanders' defense since Lou and Barry took over and just how it evolved and which guys came in and out. And, you know, at least half the D. I mean, you look at Pellick, Pollock, and Mayfield. They've been there since the beginning. They're still there, right? But you see the changes in Devontae's. Nick Letty going out. And those are your two prime puck-moving defensemen. And I'm sure, look, we don't have to revisit this completely, but I'm sure at the time part of the reason why Lou was like, okay, Taves has to go because of the salary cap, because Noah Dobson's going to come up and he's going to be my puck mover. He's going to be the guy to take over. And I guess he doubled down on that when he let Letty go. And unfortunately, you have a regression in Dobson's game this season where he doesn't end up being that puck mover that everybody had hoped. And this is a, a big part of the reason why the Islanders' defense, you know, has regressed a little bit. I mean, they they still were decent as far as league. I don't have the number for me, but as far as their their yeah. goals against, it, it still was, was, 2. It was solid. 2, 2. Yeah, it was still solid. They still had what the ninth overall penalty yeah. kill, which doesn't have much to do with your transition game. But even still, is that the defense is just hasn't been where it was in those first you know two to three years under Barry Trotz, and they, they certainly weren't able to make up for it last year with an aged Andy Green and Zidane Chara, and they put a lot of... Back with Pulak being hurt, too. Yes, and they put a lot of money on Romanov and Dobson being young guys to take on top four roles that they probably weren't ready for yet, especially like Romanov in the first half of the season. So, you know, they're going to have to look at that again and decide, okay, are these guys going to figure it out for next season do we need more insurance there you know is Aho gonna be an 82 game reliable defender now on a third pair matched up with whoever he ends up paired up with and you know they have a lot of decisions there we can talk more about this a little later as far as you know you know how they plan that out and, and who they look to go after if they're gonna go after anybody but the defense definitely you know became an issue these last two seasons where it was one of their high-end strengths yeah. prior to that and, and defense as a whole in terms of forwards getting back and knowing where to go and all that stuff. And yet you have to credit what Trotz did. Trotz comes in the year before he came in, the worst defense in the sport. And he makes him the best. And that's why, mm-hmm. you know, he never played a defensive style with the Capitals. He just looked at this Islanders roster and said, you know, we don't have the star power. If we're going to win any games... If you're not going to score goals, you got to be able to prevent them. Exactly. That's yeah. why the Islanders were so comfortable in, in 2-1 games, one nothing games. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, goalies like... I'll go over this in a little bit, but what's happening with um, Omar right now? There's trade rumors. You know, how good is he really? I look back at the stats. Not that they were identical, but Robin Leonard in the Islanders' elite shutdown system, which was similar to Boston's, mm-hmm. made Leonard look a lot better than he was. Now, look at you look at Omar's advanced stats. They're off the charts. You can't say that he was just a product of the team. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it looks back as how much did really Barry Trotz impact all of that. Leonard had a great year, but any goal I feel like in that system, you know, there was a stretch where well, Leonard couldn't listen, win a game and Thomas Grice was I was about to say it wasn't just Leonard. Yeah. Grice was great. You know, Grice was great back there. Obviously Varlamov when he came in. So look, it's a mixture of everything. Yeah. I mean, all those goalies performed very well, you know, in that system. And, you know, I'm sure it had a lot to do with it because even if they were giving up a lot of shots on goal, they weren't high quality. They chances. were from the outside. They were, they were quantitative. They weren't quality quality. You know what I mean? So, you know, the, the, the system definitely helped out there, but you still need the horses to carry out the system. And I think we saw these last two years where the horses weren't where they are in the pre, were in the previous years where you kind of saw them taking a step back that way. And that's why whoever the general manager is this season is going to have to take a look at that and decide, you know, how they're going to go forward, especially if they aren't able to bring in the firepower that everybody is pretty much seeing that the Islanders need, because they may have to keep relying on a more defensive system if they're going to 
go out there with a, a similar roster. Or if they shake it up a little bit, yeah, maybe they can get a little more run and gun. But, you know, we, we saw how it didn't work out that great under Lambert. So it, it, there's a lot of questions to be asked. There's a lot of decisions to be made. But before we keep diving in further, I want to take one more break. But before we do, I want to remind everybody about Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and for open play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun. And friends, bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game for you. From old favorites to the hottest new releases, we have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens and unplug your game for a night your family will remember. Looking for meetups to join? Our Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, or Game Night Live communities are welcoming for all. We also do parties and corporate events. Located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village, go to mainstboardgamecafe.com. For more information, Main Street Board Game Cafe, find your crowd, unplug your game, and with that, we will take one more break. When we come back, we're going to keep the train rolling. Miss the days of mixtapes and arcades? Love the taste of a bold IPA or maybe an ice-cold lager? There's a place where all of those magical things come together. Lost Farmer Brewing Company. At 63A East 2nd Street in the heart of Mineola, Lost Farmer combines a love of the 80s and a passion for quality beer to create brews that can only be described as gnarly, radical, and totally tubular. The retro vibe of the tasting bar will amp up your nostalgia while the blend of both local and exotic ingredients amp up your taste buds. Beer not your thing? Crack open a can of cider or sip a Chardonnay on the extended patio. Order up from the snack menu? You can even bring your own. If you're more of a homebody, pick up a growler to go or order online at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And for all of Long Island's hockey fans, Lost Farmer created the delicious Stable Shaker American Lager to celebrate the newly built UBS Arena at Belmont Park. Whether you're at the stable for a hockey game, concert, or a comedy show, you can find Stable Shaker by can and draft around the arena. So raise a cup to the next cup with Lost Farmer Brewery, the future of Long Island craft beer. there welcome back we missed you too now kick up your feet and settle back in to hockey night in new york welcome back to hockey night new york here at twitch.tv slash hockey night ny and your favorite podcast providers so Stefan, still so much to talk about here why don't we just get into it a little bit with you know what do you let's talk we talked to mike about what we think might happen with lane and lou what do you think is going to happen here so tough, right? I mean, there's only two ways. That, well, that's actually more than two ways it could go. There's about Many ways. four ways it could yeah, go. Yeah, All right. yeah. So I do think Lou's going to be back. I just think that. Okay. And again, people will get confused. Like, well, you know, Ledecky, you know, he's not going to fire mm-hmm. Lou. Well, John Ledecky doesn't talk hockey with Lou at all. That's all mm-hmm. Scott Malkin. Mm-hmm. And we don't hear from Scott Malkin. No. But, I mean, that's not to say we might, might hear from him soon. I'm assuming if Lou did get fired, ownership would speak. Um, I just think, and again, you look at this year, right? Lou, you could say whatever you want from Lou in the past and how, you know, maybe the expansion draft he botched. This year, when the Islanders needed goal production, he went out and got the trade carousel going, getting Bo Horvat, signing him to a long-term extension. Maybe it's an overpay, but that's what you have to do to keep guys on Long Island. And that's a, I mean, everyone could bash what he did in the playoffs and how he struggled during the regular season to score. The guy's a good player. Is he worth $8.5 million? We're about to find out. But, yeah. but if him and Barzal truly right. do click, and that's a dynamic duo for the next eight years, no one's going to be talking about how Lou made a mistake there. Mm-hmm. Then when Barzal goes down, Islanders need speed. 
He goes out mm-hmm. and gets a Pierre Engvall who's being sheltered on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Engvall might have saved the Islanders season more than Horvat did. And they get in. So again, I don't want to bash Lou for this year because, sure, there were maybe you should have used the extra cap space at the end of the year to go get another defenseman. No one knew that Romanov was going to get hurt. So as Romanov mm-hmm. doesn't get hurt, Bolduc's not playing. Like, there are things that happen after that no one saw coming. Maybe you get mm-hmm. depth, sure. But if you trusted Bolduc, how he looked in his first stint up, he was fantastic and you would right. trust him. So I think you look at Lou this year, I don't think it's a grounds to fire the guy. He did everything to get this team into the playoffs. That being said, the overall coming up short because you don't have that goal score that you could have gotten, that you never really got that true sniper, mm. that falls back. I just think, I do think he's going to be back. Now, in terms of Lane, again, I think Lou hiring Lane knew that he would have rookie mistakes. Mm-hmm. I just don't... Again, I he has no issue parting with a coach like that. I think Johnny Mack was hired and fired before Christmas, his first year as a head coach with the Devils. So I don't think he mm. cares about that. But if the players in the room, which they did, they spoke about how much emotion Lane shows in the room, how he really rallied them together. You know, the players are the ones that are going to dictate. We saw what happened with the Rangers. Gallant got fired because of the, the, the lashing out. Not lashing out, but just the players saying we need a new voice, essentially. Mm. So if the players loved Lane and they truly did it, it wasn't just for camera show, mm. and Lou looks at it and says, listen, all the injuries Lane had to deal with. He found a way to get this guys in. These guys in. I could I could understand Lou getting another year. Uh, Lane getting another year. For me though, is if it starts off slow again next year, that the leash has to be very short. Before the delay in this media yeah. exit interviews, I thought for sure. At least I felt pretty damn confident that both Lou and Lane would be back. Um, you know, I I am not as critical of Lou Lamarillo as a lot of Islander fans are. Uh, you know, I can get into that another time. Yeah, but I think fan. just just from listening to the show, I think everybody has a decent idea where I where I stand with that. I'm not saying his tenure's been perfect, but I think all in all, he's done a, a much better job than worse job with this team. But as far as Lane Lambert goes, I'm kind of with Mike, with with him saying it's a little bit of an incomplete. Yeah. Um, he's not without his mistakes or his, without his questionable decisions. Like you said, waiting a while to mix things up on the power play in the playoffs or even just during the season. Um, you know, not only that, but maybe even just certain, you know, lineup lineup decisions that he made, certain guys that he put out there. And, and you know, hope, you hope that that's a learning experience, For right? Sure. That's those are Well, the it mis- has to be, right? Right, of course. But that's the thing. Like, is it enough to say this guy can't get the job done with these guys? I'm not sure if that's the answer or not. And and I feel like if Lou were to come back, and if he brought Lane came back, I think Lane has done enough to earn a little bit of trust to see what he can do in his second season. And maybe you revisit the the assistant staff. Because John McClain was not a Lane Lambert hire. He was a last minute. I'm not trying to take anything away from John McClain, but you talked about what happened very late in the game going into the season, right? And it just really felt like Lou was like, all right, well, we need an assistant coach. All right, Lane, well, John McClain's around. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, can, he can help you out for now, you know what I mean? And they went in there, and, you know, he's at least in large part somewhat uh, responsible for the power play. It fell on its face, obviously. And I think... If Lane comes back, he deserves the chance to hire somebody to not only replace that problem, but also pick a guy who he probably would have preferred to go with on, instead of such a last-minute decision with the unexpected you know, circumstance that happened going into last year. Doug Huda... Doug like, Huda's a fr- Lane played with Doug there. Yeah, he brought Detroit. in Doug. He brought in. Yeah, yeah, he brought in Doug. Look, the PK was ninth overall. Um, you know, we, yeah, the defense, that's we the talked biggest about, issue. But. We talked about the defense as a whole, but honestly, I think that's more personnel... 
than it is the the coaching. Now you can make an argument for Dobson's regression for sure because part of that does fall on the coaching staff to kind of turn him around and get him to play in the way he should be. Um, if if there was anything I was gonna gonna say like okay, the staff needs to to change is is issues like that because I feel like maybe Dobson has a better chance of bouncing back with a fresh look with a fresh staff. But it, that's not to say I don't think that. He can't turn around. He's still 22, 20, 23 years old. Yeah. He, this is a guy who's still growing in the game. He's already got his offense. If, if he's going to average 50 points, if not more, as he as he enters his prime, that's fantastic. It's just cleaning up the, the, the defensive side of the game. And I think he's a smart enough kid, and he's a capable enough kid, where he can turn around and, and, and shore up the defensive side of things. I think with Dobson, they took the training walls off just a little early. I think they mm. saw the last couple, first off, last year, Oh, he came into a zone. I think he scored 10 goals in December. I mean, the guy went off. But, you know, he had D partners his first three years with Johnny Boychuk, Andy Greens, Dano Char, and they said, you know what? He's good. He's good. He's ready to go. And again, people forget, he's only 23 still. Right, right. It takes, honestly, playing that style as an offensive defenseman in a system that's not really catering to your strengths, Mm -hmm. it's probably a lot tougher to do than a Romanov, who, again, you saw more growth in Romanov's game in half a season. You know, coming into the system, he was really, you know, confused with his stepping in times and working with Dobson clearly didn't work. Mm-hmm. After the All-Star break, Romanov was, okay, this is why they gave up a first-round pick for him. Like, it wasn't even a, a th- question. The guy was hitting. Mm-hmm. His timing was perfect. He was moving the puck up. He was getting shots on goal. He set career highs in in, in offense. So you, you looked mm-hmm. at Romanov and you went, all right, if he could do that in in." Th- 40 games or whatever it was, mm-hmm. what happened with Dobson. But again, you're taking a defensive-minded player who played in a Montreal run-and-gun offense, which, di- which didn't work until mm-hmm. St. Louis tried to clean it up. Right. You put him in a system that plays to his game, which is why he was brought in. Right. That makes sense. I think Dobson still has to understand that, hey, you know, you're going to get your offensive chances, but you have to find a way to do a better job in front of goal, behind the net. Like those are li- those are little things too. It's not it was a lot crazy. of mental lapses, just not, not being in the right up. position, yep. not covering the man in front. You know that was that was wide open. You know whether it's in the slot or in front of the net, and maybe you know just some mistakes on on turnovers. You know what I mean? Which was covered with these other partners, all being defensive. I know Andy Green might not be the defensive guy like a Boychuk or a Char, but mm-hmm. Brandy Green is very good in corners, very good in front oh, of the yeah. net. Oh yeah, no, I absolutely. think I think Dobson didn't have to do that. And when Romanov got here, Romanov was still trying to figure out mm-hmm. how to do everything. So Dobson had to do both. And then when they separated them, you know, when Dobson got Aho. You know, mm-hmm. Ajo is not known for his defensive prowess. No. I think I think I do think that Ajo is a better defensive defenseman than Dobson at this point. Never thought I'd hear anybody say that, but with the the results of this season, it's it's a little tough to. So argue. I think Noah just one. He's got to go to the gym and just get strong. But again, he's just twenty three. Mm-hmm. If next year he regressed even more, then it's you're wondering, okay, because there was a reason this summer when Lou signed Romanov and and Dobson their three year bridge deals. Mm-hmm. Someone asked Lou and said, "Why did you not sign Dobson long term?" And he goes, "We have to see a little more." <laughs> and then you look back; he, he was probably a little more right than he wanted to be. And you look back yeah. and you went, "Oh, you know what?" Yeah, Lou was right with that assessment. We, yeah. we knew the offense was going to be there. We just needed to see the defense, and you didn't see enough where it would have made sense to get him on a, again, unless it was like a bargain long term deal. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, yeah, you know what? You want to make him earn that money if he's going to get it. And he just got to he's got to work on the defensive game because, especially if the system doesn't change. His defense is going to matter more than I think his offense. If he transitions and doesn't get the goals, sure. But again, it all starts with making plays in the D zone, getting the puck, and then not giving it back. And that's right. what Dobson did too much. Well, let's uh, let's shoot over, do a quick little what's on tap, then we'll jump back into. Uh, <laughs> <and now. laughs> 
It's time for what's on top. We're getting the a music look in. ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. Edzo fast with the trigger finger over there. <laughs> All right, it's time for what's on tap. Obviously, there are no more games coming up anytime soon for the New York Islanders, but we do have the NHL draft coming up in Nashville Wednesday, June 28th, and Thursday, June 29th. What's with this weekday stuff? You should I think be like a, a Friday, Saturday. There's a big uh, music event happening that weekend, I believe. Is that right? I don't know. I'm gonna make that up. It's Nashville, <laughs> though, right? So yeah, there's music. You have the, the draft time. lottery tomorrow, Monday night. Ah, that's right. Well. Yes. Um, I don't have a time for you, but uh, I think it's like seven. <laughs> that's or eight. okay. Just flip the Islanders channel. aren't involved anyway. Who cares? Yeah, yeah they're not. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, but it's gonna be the Ducks anyway, right? Yeah, draft should be fun. Um, the Islanders last year's draft in Montreal. That I mean, the picks that they had, um, Maggio. Drafted, mm-hmm. like I said, fourth or fifth round. Fifth Isaiah round. George, fourth round. Mm-hmm. Ah, he's going to be a stud. They just, by the way, the London Knights, who he plays for, just advanced to the OHL championships today. I just want to know how Maggio's numbers are going to translate in the professional game. Well, it's, it's not going to be this. It's great seeing the the big OHL numbers. A fifth rounder coming out of nowhere, looking great. But, I mean, what's that going to mean professionally? So, I actually... It's really, I guess, cool for my first full year on the beat is I was at development camp for the first time, and I spoke mm-hmm. to Maggio every day until he got sent down and built a, a pretty good relationship with him. And then he gets sent down, and I talked to him. I said, you know, if you don't make the Islanders out of camp, which was expected, right. you know, where do you go? He goes, I think I'm going to be in Bridgeport. Mm-hmm. And they said, we're not going to be in Bridgeport. You're going to go back to juniors for your final year. You're going to put up three or four points a game. You have to work on everything else, essentially. Okay. And I ran into him in the press box, game... Game four, I think. And we we're talking, I'm like, what happened? Mm-hmm. And he goes, I knew going down that I would get a lot of points, we'd get a lot more playing time. And mm-hmm. I just tried to work on everything else. And there's no question about it. He was obviously in Bridgeport at the end of the year. Again, two assists in three games. Um, but yeah, I watched the guy in development camp. He's got the speed, he's got the skill, and he snipes Sorokin from the high slot bar down. Okay. Again, I, I mean, not that's not saying much in development camp, but <laughs> I was watching him. And he, mm-hmm. the reason I talked to him so much is because he was standing out to me. Again, this is a guy that went undrafted, then went and played in Europe in a mm-hmm. country that I think he was. I think he went to Germany or some country where he didn't know the language at all. Okay, and he goes, "Yeah, <laughs> a you know, lot he, of countries." He goes, for that. <laughs> "He goes, I became a true man over there because I got dropped there. Mm-hmm. Had to learn how to like mentally grow myself and everything." He comes back here, has this kind of season. For sure, could he be a call up next year? I mean, yeah, I just think the guy he's fast. You know, fast is good. We like to hear that. And I think again, he's not going to do what he just did with yeah, fifty-four goals right. in sixty-six games, but. Clearly, he has the ability to score. And again, Michael Dalcoe had the ability to score. And you watched Michael Dalcoe's highlights in juniors. And you saw what Dufour did, and he comes up and gets that one game. Right. You just look at Maggio. I think he has more of the raw, again, speed and skill that in today's NHL plays much more to him than a Dufour, where Dufour's got the shot, and when he gets going in stride, he's there. Mm-hmm. Takes him too long. And that's what he had to learn in the NHL this year. Like, hey, I, you know, I can't take that long. There's not, and Dufour dominated because he had so much time and space to do what he wanted to do. Right. When that's taken, we saw against Boston, when that's taken away, you're, if you can't adapt quickly, you're done. And that shows sure. the difference between juniors, the AHL, and right. the NHL. Right. Well, the Islanders will not have a first or a third round pick in this summer's draft, and I don't see them collecting more because, if anything, especially if Lou's still in charge, he's probably using whatever picks he has left. That to, second might have to go f- to get rid of a Bailey contract, too. So, Very possible, unless he can figure a out a way to swing the uh, 24 third rounder or, or cash considerations. Like that. You never know, or just future, futures. Them. Or No, I love that with the lad trade, there wasn't even future considerations. It was just, here you go. Well, there was just, there was actual things though. Like him. he had to play like more than twenty games or whatever, and he played like nineteen, like whatever it was. There were some weird stipulations. Yeah, it's a, yeah. but it's I never saw a trade where nothing, literally, no words went back the other way. Clear cap on. 
Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But uh, so there's the draft. It's happening in Nashville, fun town. So if you can make the trek, go go, go watch the draft. That'll be a fun time. It'll be a fun time. And then NHL free agency, which is back to July first this I summer. Because yeah, oddly first, enough, yeah. I you know tried to do my due diligence here, and I and I did a little little search, and uh, I didn't get any definitive answer. July that it was 1st. definitely July first. Well, the player said like Mayfield goes. Maybe I should have went to Google instead Mayfield of SGs. Well, I, I think it was Varlamov. He goes, "Yep, I become a free agent on July first. So okay, we'll <laughs> go with that. It. I trust Varlamov. Source. So that can end up being a big day for the Islanders, but there's Probably so not. many. We'll find out in September. Well, it depends if, if losing. I was shocked. The fashion fashion. Yeah, that was. Strange, I believe right? that that was done months before. And when I say believe, well, I, I'm. <laughs> you have you have reason to believe. I have reason to believe that that yeah. was done like two or three months before it was announced. Reason to believe. Fair enough. Fair so, enough. which makes sense because it happened so quickly. Well, well, maybe they announced it as a little. Hey, we lost, but look. <laughs> Listen, we signed Hudson. I would be very excited to see, again, just because getting to know Hudson on a personal level, to see people wearing fashion jerseys. I mean, this guy. He deserves it. At I least a jersey. On, I think I was on the show when we talked jersey. about his uh, siblings, and I, I was talking to him, and he was, I said, is this a dream for you during one after one of the practices? And he goes, yeah, I'm just happy to walk, and I'll quickly do it. His two siblings, both severely handicapped, can't walk, talk, anything like that. And I wrote an article about it, and people reached out, like, how can we help? Like, is there a foundation? Mm-hmm. And I go to Hudson, he goes, Listen, I, I just haven't had the money to start a foundation. Yeah. So again, this is nothing crazy money, but now you hope maybe yeah. people wearing his jerseys get a foundation. You know, there's things like listen. I'm a fan. Hudson. I'm I'm very happy to see him come back for another two years, and he's well well deserved. And and I think I have a feeling we're going to end up talking about where he and the fourth line and everything fits in when we get to questions brewing. So I don't even think we have to do a separate. Uh, discussion for that we'll get it in one way or the other but happy to see fashions coming back he was a huge bright spot on this season uh he played excellent hockey and um good for him and and uh yeah hopefully he uh you know takes on an even bigger role next year in a full 82 game season but uh why don't we do a little hero of the week as we get later into the show here ed once again right on the trigger there when you hear this song that means it's time for the hero of the week brought to you by the blue line deli and bagels half price hero which this week is the white well, featuring chicken cutlet, gravy, onion rings, bacon, fresh mozzarella, on a toasted garlic hero, step in to the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington location this week. Mention Hockey Night New York for half off the White Well. So, with that being said, Stefan, who and you know what I, I forgot to mention, this is not the hero of the week. This is the hero of the season, hero of the year. So, Stefan Rosner, who is your hero? Of the year. I think it's everybody's, right? I think it has to be <laughs> Ilya Sorokin. Now, yeah. before we get into the craziness of his year, mm-hmm. people that do say the Islanders would be buying for a first overall pick if it wasn't for Sorokin, I throw that out the window. I think Valimov would have done a good enough job. Okay. Whatever. But Sorokin, right? Yeah, man. The guy has supplanted himself skill-wise as probably one or two of the most talented goaltenders in the NHL. In terms oh, of yeah. franchise, he's the second best goaltender in franchise history. In terms of skill, Already, I think, yeah. again, you look at Billy Smith, you can't take away anything he did. Sorokin's athleticism and what he can do when he's on is just absurd. Mm-hmm. Like you look at the numbers, right? Omar's going to win uh, the Vesna. Sorokin is by far so much more talented. And nothing to take away from Omar and what he's done. But you, sure. look at, you look at Varlamov, right? And how when he was having that ridiculous year, such a good goalie. Sorokin is just all the way up here. Him, Shosturkin, Vasovsky, when they're on, it's just... They just these Russians, right? I don't know what. Dude, it is. they're taking over, man. It's I mean, just, even Bobrovsky's bouncing back now in Florida. But you go around the league and you got a bunch of Russian goalies that are that are all over the place doing great. Just the anticipation too, and you look at Sorokin's numbers: two point three eight goals against, nine twenty four save, led the NHL with six shutouts. 
looked at Omar's number. Omar played. Omar had how many wins? Omar had forty wins. <laughs> okay. Um, I think he played twelve more games than Sorokin. He faced mm-hmm. three hundred eighty-two more shots than Omar this year. Now, if you break that down to per game for Omar to catch Sorokin in shots though, mm-hmm. over those twelve games, he'd have to face over thirty, and mm-hmm. Boston allowed twenty-nine per. I'm not again. Omar's stats, advanced stats, were great. Uh, mm-hmm. He would led the NHL in goals saved above expected. Sorokin was third with a and 38.7. It's just absurd. Wins carry a lot of weight in the Vezina voting. So, you know, yeah. it's going to be Allmark's. But you, look at you what have he did to on think Sorokin probably gets the second place vote, right? I mean, you have to think so. I mean, you look at you look at what Hellebuck did this year. Even look at Saros in terms of just mm-hmm. the team he had around him. Mm-hmm. It was a, probably a little weaker mm-hmm. defensively than the Islanders was, but... Again, this, this guy Sorokin on a nightly basis, usually. Again, there was a stretch where I don't I think he went like six or seven games where he couldn't win a game. It happens, ebbs and flows, as everybody says. But bailing this team out left, right. The, oh, the yeah. Draw, every 100%. night was the draw, the jaw-dropping saves. And again, we didn't see enough. That's the issue is we didn't see enough of those elite saves in the playoffs. But it's a regular <laughs> season award. Well, that's, that's <laughs> the one thing we didn't bring up in our little recap of the series was that uh, last save he didn't make. That to you had, end it. You had yeah. game, first off, watching that and seeing how that went in threw me right back to Varlamov allowing that Sorelli goal. That oh, eliminated God. the Islanders. Yeah, look yeah, how yeah, yeah. eerily close mm-hmm. both season's endings were. That one was from right. behind the goal line, I'm pretty sure, right? Hit him off the skate and in. This one, the same Correct. type of shot you're going. And Varlamov was great that It was a dinky too. little shot, yeah. Just dinky goals. And all, I mean, Sorokin, he talked about it. He goes, obviously, not very sad after that. I mean, I, fe- I felt awful for him just for the sole fact of how good he was in that game. Mm-hmm. He was so good in that game to keep that game. No, close. he was fantastic. And, and credit to the team. And we didn't even get to say this before because there's just so much to cover. <laughs> but, but they had a great 40 minutes in that game. The first two periods, they were excellent. The only thing they didn't do was get that second goal. They that and second they goal, came they this win. close like two or three times. It was right there. If that puck, you know, Barzell had that puck that just hopped over yep. a stick when he's wide open in front, the goalie's down. Yeah, All he has to do is pop back. it into the net. Yeah, I mean, it was right there. They didn't get it. And, you know, obviously the third period was the third period. They they were completely Again, taken gave over. Them every ch- I mean, that, that sure. Aho goal is unstoppable. And But then they came back out well in overtime. Well, I was feeling good about overtime. That first five minutes, whatever it was, I was like, okay, this is looking good. They keep playing the game like this. I feel good about getting that OT winner. And then just a freak, freak play. And a guy in and- <laughs> Andy Pellick who... Adam Pellick. I said Adam. No, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) A guy like Adam Pellick who never makes that play, let alone takes that risk and then flubs the clear. Yeah, you very... First off, Pellick's one of the best... For a defenseman, he's got silky hands that no one even talks about. Like that's not something he unless he he just didn't know Stepan was there, which I can't imagine. I think he saw a quick up. Mm Mm-hmm. And was just trying to skate back and quickly well, fake like fake. Well, it he looked like he was back. trying to sky it out. If yeah. you look at the way he angled the stick on the play, it looked like he was trying to go up. Isn't like it. there was a rush there though? He was by himself. Oh no, he had own. he had Stasny on him. Yeah, he I'm had a man to, on him. Yeah. No, he had a man on him. So he was trying to make a play. And again, whether he saw boards and out, whether he saw step <laughs> stepping or not, it looked like he was trying to sky it out. Yeah. And he flo- you can see that he just didn't get the lift on it that he wanted. It goes, Stepan makes a great play to keep it in at the blue line. And, and I mean, what, what was even Stasny thinking just throwing it at the net? Because you don't even think that play is coming. Well, that's why. Right? Well, no, it worked out great for him. But, I mean, that was a shock in itself that, you know, he has the puck down low there. And you would think that maybe he's, he's looking for a play, you know, to get guys to join him in the play to make a play. And he's just like, no, I'm going to throw it in I the net. I think he saw and the it goes opening. In. And first off, 
if he throws it on net and Sorokin's pads out, does that rebound like an Alec Martinez rebound go to somebody? I'm not even kidding. It might. I think the only guy that might have been there would have been Stepan, and it all, all depends on the rebound angle. But look, it's a, it's a puck. He's 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 it's a puck. He's got to stop. He's got to stop. He's got to control it. Does does that mean you take all the all the great things that he did this season away? Absolutely not. No, it's just a fluke thing, and and then there was a lot of fluky things in that series again that could have went their way. It didn't. But and again, but, if the Islanders get those goals, we're not in, if they get that right. second goal in the second period, they're not even they're right. Not they're even not even in that time. overtime. They win that game and it goes to game seven. But anyway, Ilya Sorokin had an absolutely phenomenal year, especially with the team in front of him, the defense that we know kind of took a step back. So I mean, hats off to him. Very easily for me, the hero of the season. Yeah, and if he wants to sign an extension, I, I think he did hurt himself, by the way, in signing for the money he would want, given how the playoffs went. If he was what he did in the regular season, mm. I do, I, because you're paying him, you know, regular season stats don't matter. If he had shown, if he had, had one of those Shesterkin like playoffs, where Shesterkin, I know he started off slow last year, but really mm. came into it and just dominated and carried the team, you know, then you could be like, hey, I did this in the regular season and in the biggest stage, I got it done. There was just too many. Like that game too. I I don't again. I don't think it's going to matter hugely in terms of he money. He still but has most of the leverage in those negotiations. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I just think if you maybe to go, you lose two fifty k. If you two fifty k for each week goal, you have. Yeah. No, but if you wanted to get like <laughs> difference between Vasilevsky money and then Shosturkin money, it's mm-hmm. a major difference. Sure, and that's that's thankfully and then a conversation playoffs, the for the future. Islanders could say, well, he's eligible to sign his <laughs> extension right now. Eligible, yes, yeah. and you'd like to think that that gets done as soon as possible. Maybe, maybe what happens with Varlamov will I think dictate a lot of where it that goes. On what happens for, I think a lot he of wants, dominoes. Yeah, yeah. A lot Other of like Parise too. Parise loves Lou. Is mm. Parise going to sign if Lou's gone? I don't think so. Well, why don't we take it to questions, Bruin, yeah, and see it. if there's any questions about that? It's time for questions, Bruin. He's on his game. Brought to you okay. by Lost Farmer Brewing. I'm trying to make it to the playoffs. Took the whole season. Took the whole <laughs> um, season, right? Oh no. Ed's, Ed's trying to up his Where contract here at uh, yeah. Hockey Night in New York. He's on the ball tonight. Yeah, no, no GM replacement. So, Ed, Jay, how we doing? Doing good. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously bitter about the season. Sure, but, sure. But, uh, you know, hopeful. Okay, you know, hopeful. There's we like positivity and, here. Yeah, there's he changes. Just, he just lied through his teeth. What? The hopeful part? Are you actually hopeful? I think yeah. he's hopeful, Stefan. Oh, good. Yeah. Why are you changes, my friend of being a liar? Listen, <laughs> whether the, hopeful? The, a change doesn't have to be big. To make a difference, so that's a quote. Any, that's any small change to the team, any kid going could, into senior year, by help. the way, that's your yearbook quote. Oh well, there you go, there you know. go. <laughs> Look at you, Ed. So, what do you got in the chat, buddy? How are we doing in there? We're we're busy. Okay, uh, we like that. Depression's brewing. Depression's brewing. Yeah, I was, nice. I was saving that one. Pay well ra- done. Pay raise. Yeah. Pay raise. <laughs> well done. All right. All right. Well, All right. We'll start off with Melarmania. We've we've been touching on this, but you know. Definitive answers here. Uh, the Islanders have had a horrible time getting ready for the games. Um, mm. Do you think we see a new G- GM or uh, coach? Yes or no? Ultimately, I guess I'm going to stick with my gut and say that Lou and Lane come back. But like I said, because this has been dragged out longer than we thought, I, I my percentages <laughs> have definitely changed as far as what might happen. I, I think Lou's back at the very least in some capacity. And uh, Lane Lambert, I'm a little less confident in his return overall. So uh, I agree. I think Lou's back. But to his point, if that whole issue of not getting ready is something that Lou really had an issue with, then Lane's not back. But I, mm-hmm. I do think both come back. But definitely, if one of them is going to come back, it's Lou. Okay. Yeah. Next question from Mike4652. Yo, yo. As the Devils will be in cap trouble after this year, most likely 
Paula Tartar, Wood, Severson, uh, will most likely be cut loose. Of that group, who should the Isles target? You know, it's funny you raise this question because I, I happen to end up going down that, that rabbit hole looking at the Devil's Cap situation. I was kind of shocked. Ah, that's before they even pay Meyer. They have a lot of big names gonna have to that, are, that are going to be due raises coming off the books this summer. And I just because they were such a young team building to the draft, this is their first breakout year. I thought they were going to have at least a couple of years before they worried about that. But they're right up against it this summer. And they're probably going to have to let a couple of guys go. And there's some very interesting names in that pack that I wouldn't mind the Islanders looking at if they can figure out a way to work their salary cap. So I, I don't know who they would want from there. Again, the Islanders don't really need more bottom six guys. I was thinking him, but yeah. that's an older guy if you're trying to get younger. Mm-hmm. You don't go that route. But Miles Wood is the guy that got lit up by Romanov. Can they be teammates? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. And Mike but Pekka can be teammates true. and then best friends with Darcy uh, Tucker. If out of yeah. all those guys, I like Miles Wood's style. But again, it depends. Like if Preza doesn't come back or move on from a passion. Like, then you need some bottom six guys. My Wood would be a perfect fit. Given their system, you'd play it to a T. Again, it really depends on if Lou's... Because if Lou's not coming back, whoever's coming in is probably changing the direction this franchise goes in terms mm-hmm. of play style. Because, again, we talked about it. The Islanders' regular seasons have not been great. It's going to change. Guy's going to come in and make a lot of moves. So that depend- mm-hmm. That changes who you're going to go after. True. What do you got, Ed? Uh, next question is from Rub Run Bob Run three zero seven, not Rub Bob. <laughs> okay. Don't Rub Bob. It's Run Bob Run. Okay. What's more important, strengthening the defense, adding more offensive punch, or changing coaching staff? Uh, I think it'd be at this point strengthening the D. I think again, Horvat and Bars all together would be good. It's all strengthening the D in terms of transitioning. To me, that is the biggest thing. That's how the Islanders operate. They forecheck hard offensively. They get the puck out of their zone quickly which in turn should create more offense. So if you're going to go, what's the biggest need? Sure, you need, a, you need an elite player to play with Barzal and Horvat, but they need a legitimate puck-moving defenseman that's going to just help get the puck up, and if they get the puck up more, more goals and all that stuff. Because again, Horvat, you know, leading the rush from the defensive zone, it's not going to help anyone. I think your main concerns are twofold, and the first is the defense. I'm with you on that. And the second is who's playing left wing with Matt Barzell and Bo Horvat. Yep. And it's weird to say that when you got a guy who just scored another 28 goals, but... He showed the playoffs Anders, exposed Lee a little Yes, bit. his foot speed was... He look, that he's, coordination. He's never been known to be a fast guy in the ice. That's never been his thing. But he was, he was noticeably even a step slower in these yeah. playoffs. And I thought in terms of front of the net, too, they were, I mean, just hand-eye. Right. He had chances, but... Uh, so, look, he's your captain. He's making seven mil a year. He's got a, a decent amount of years left, so I don't see the guy going anywhere. No. So it, h- how they're going to manage that? Are they going to kind of just cross their fingers and hope that you know he has a good offseason, he comes back, and, and he can do well enough on that line? Or do they say, okay, it's time to bump him down a little bit, and, and maybe this hinges on a Zach Parisi coming back. You know, is, Does he kind of fit maybe on the second or third line? Can he work with Brock and Palmieri if they keep them together? Does If Engvall stays, does he get a shot up with Horvat and Barzell? That, look, if we're, if we're staying in the realm of reality when we look at the salary cap, and if, like, let's say Lou comes back, we're, I don't think we're seeing wholesale changes here. We're seeing some subtle no. changes here and there. Maybe he makes a move where he can. But you're probably looking at, you know, a good portion of this roster coming back next season for better or worse. And again, maybe a change here, a change there where he can. So 
Maybe if Engvall comes back, he gets a look up there and Lee comes down the lineup because, you know, he's lost a step and I just don't know if he's going to be able to put up the points and the production that that we know him for unless they can solve the power play because he's a guy who can still get it done on the power play. Before we get to the next question, my my biggest thing this offseason that I'm watching for is that fourth line because this is why, for Lee's Mm. sake. Everyone's like, move Lee to the third line, Paprizzi Mm. up top. They could not do that because that mm-hmm. third line, Pajolin, was your shutdown forward line, which mm-hmm. Lee cannot play on. Now, if they come back with a rejuvenated fourth line, and they get, let's say they get rid of Pajolin to clear cap space, then you could play Lee on the third line because your fourth line is now back to being your shutdown forward line. So Lee could play that third line, or Lee could play in the second if Engvall doesn't come back. But the biggest thing is, is if, if you want to move Lee down the lineup, he just cannot, again, foot speed, cannot play on the shutdown Forward line. So that mm-hmm. impacts everything. If the fourth line becomes that line and takes all that away from that third line, then you're fine to put Lee down lower. But again, you have to play to those strengths. If Pajot comes back, that third line is going to be shutting down. Lee cannot play on that line. I mean, what's funny about... I'm glad you brought up the fourth line because I think they're going to be a focal point of this summer. But the, the funny thing about that is before the more recent extensions for those guys were signed... You know, when Christian was hosting the show, like I was saying, but yeah, exactly. I was saying back then, this is the last year, last year of the fourth line. This is it. Get ready. And here we are. They still together <laughs> going into it this summer, at least. And I, I got to check myself before just assuming it's finally going to happen before I wreck, wreck myself. Anyway, they obviously take up a big chunk of salary. And I wonder if they can figure out a way to move those guys elsewhere if that's going to benefit the team because we know how much stock they put in the leadership of Martin and Clutterbuck. Stazikas isn't going anywhere. No. But if they do decide to make bigger changes, I would argue that Stazikas can be moved potentially up, maybe, depending on where everything else falls. But you can have a more traditional fourth line in the sense, like fashion can, you can put down there. Well, I think fashion with Sezikis was to do that work like a charm. I don't really know why. Again, Trotz was so big on duos, right? Mm-hmm. He would date the duos and find a winger. When they broke up Sezikis and Fashion after that stretch where they were just creating chances, scoring mm-hmm. goals, I have no idea why that happened. Again, Clutterbuck came back from injury. That was a big thing, of course. I just thought, why change things? Again, this is an Islanders team that just mm-hmm. had to find a way to get through injuries. Why you would change things at all? Again, I get Pajot and Fashion. What I'm good, but. getting at is, is it time to just go with a more traditional and affordable fourth line yeah. where you're paying guys under a million a year to fill out that spot? They don't rotate the same way that the top three lines do, right? They get in spot duty. You know, they go out there for a little energy, whatever the case may be, cause a little havoc. And that's that. I mean, do they finally go that route? Because, look, that's that's a line that's taken up a much bigger chunk of a team's payroll than most teams have their fourth line taking up. And that includes and, Ross Johnson also right. not playing mid Right. So when you look at that, and and we, we keep talking about this need to upgrade the forwards, to upgrade the firepower, to upgrade the defense, is it finally time to kind of chip away at that salary to make room elsewhere? Because, look, Bailey's got to go either way to make any... Like, they need, they need to move a salary just to keep last the team year. that they, they have. They last year. Right, but I'm saying even just to keep the team intact, like if you didn't want to make any changes, oh, you bring can't. Varlamov back as a backup, uh, bring Engvall back, uh, Parisi back, all those. If you just want to do all that stuff, you still got to move Bailey's contract. Oh, you have $6.2 million around right now. You cannot right. bring three people back with that. Right. It's not possible. So you do that, and then you got to find salary somewhere else if you're making changes elsewhere. The question is, 
you can't really trade Clutterbuck because of the injuries. No one's going to take him. I don't. I don't think you can't. Martin. I don't, and I don't even know if Lou wants to move exactly, those guys. But I don't think Martin's ever leaving this organization. I think once the day yeah, Martin retires, he's working for this team. I I don't see him ever leaving again. I but think, what I, I agree though. I think Sezikis, right? Talk about him not having the offensive outburst that he had before he signed that deal, right? When he scored, what he scored? He didn't, did he score twenty one year? Ten. Whatever it was. He had more offense, whatever, whatever year <laughs> okay, it was. Okay, we'll go with that. But if you had a guy like Fashing on his right and Parisi on his left, mm-hmm. that might unlock Zekas to be more of the offensive player. Again, it depends what their matchups are. What are their roles now if you change things up? Yeah, and maybe maybe this is the first year we see where Matt Martin, you know, is more of a scratch than, yeah, than he had been. Possible. And, you know, and, and and maybe that's a way to, uh, you know, unload Ross Johnson's one million. Like you bury that in Bridgeport if you if you need the extra mill. And what that extra mill is going to do, I don't know. And the the last question I'll ask you on this before we get to the next Bruin question is with Bo Horvat's ability to wear multiple hats and what we saw him do you know you're gonna ask. with Pajot being out, does this make Pajot and his contract maybe one of the more movable? I'm not advocating for it. I'm a big Pajot fan, but does he become more movable now that you got a guy like Horvat who can win faceoffs just as well, if not better than Pajot? I actually wrote an article about this. I said is Paz- is Bo Horvat right? I said is the Bo Horvat <laughs> Trade does that Borhavat make Pajot expendable? And what I will say is, it's a very important to have multiple guys that do the same thing. I think yeah, it's very important. Right, the same right, way, like right. I wrote an article that I said the Islanders are better suited for Mayfield to leave because they have Romanov. Everyone's like, well, you have need more than one guy in the back and that block shots. Yeah, but if Mayfield leaves, you have a player that knows that plays Mayfield style. You're not like automatically don't have that kind of guy anymore. If Pajot were to leave again, five million dollars, they have Horvat who does everything Pajot does and provides more offense. Hopefully, we'll see. Next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, if you want to go and get one of those top six guys, right? For me, this is the perfect one. Nikolai Ehlers in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Everyone's saying, well, the Islanders can't give up the prospects that every other team wants. Yeah, Winnipeg's not in rebuild mode. Like, mm-hmm. hell, they already asked Hellbuck, would you stay for rebuild? He said no. They have a ton of talent. If they're looking for play- playoff-ready high-skilled players are ready to join the group, mm-hmm. the Islanders have that. Pajot brings a, a lot to the trade. team. Well, hockey trade. But again, it's not where they need... Winnipeg doesn't need young guys if they're not rebuilding. People are... I feel right. like they get lost. Like, you have to get right. prospects for talented like, players. Pajot and maybe, a Holmstrom or a draft pick. Could that somehow find a way to get Ehlers? Whatever it is. Maybe, Ehlers, right. You find a team that's trying to contend like the Islanders where they have a hole and the Islanders have another hole and they can kind of help fill each other. you made the point. Holes. Bring Sezikis up <laughs> to the third line and go sign <laughs> and go sign a cheaper center. Or he keeps Sezikis at the third, at the fourth line and sign a cheaper center to play the third. It's possible. This is why, again, if the Islanders trust Lou to stay, those are the kind of moves you have to see him make because he's not mm-hmm. going to... Free agency is not going to work. It's just not. There's First off, the talent that's available, again, like Ehlers, if you're going to make a move for a guy, mm-hmm. young, everyone's saying, go get Tarasenko or go get Kane. First off, you're not getting Kane. There's no point. You want an assistant with an assistant? It's not going to work. And he's older. Tarasenko's had his injuries. I'd go more for Tarasenko than I would for Kane. I agree. But maybe that's the name that interests ago. me a little bit. Yeah. Right. It's a little late, do. but you know, maybe he's an option. We'll see. But let's get another question yeah. in. Trottier19 wants hey, to know if there is more to the story behind the Trots firing. He has some examples. Uh, did players not like his defensive style? Um, was it not making the playoffs one year? Uh, did he just want time off? And I, you know, don't want to spend too much time on this only because we've right. definitely talked about this in the past. I know Mikey brought it up in the in the uh, interview. 
I'm still going with my theory that it wasn't a flat-out firing of Barry Trotz. I think there was there was more of a mutual. And again, this is just my own speculation. I don't know anything. But I feel like it was more of a mutual agreement between Lou and Barry, especially because of where Barry ended up and what he's doing. And and when Mike raised the the idea before of, ah, maybe you know they, they made a change too late and maybe Barry could have taken over that job here, I think home is Nashville and that's where Barry wanted to go. I think he was always getting up back there. Mm-hmm. I think he would have 100% coached this year. And I think, I, I do think it was a firing, but it was a firing more so of, we're firing this for you. Because again, when he interviewed for the Lane Winnipeg a little job, bit. he was mm-hmm. on a show and he said, listen, I want to sign in Winnipeg, that's home. But I told him, listen, I'm not 100% committed to being here and you deserve someone 100% committed. So I think what happened mm-hmm. was Lou read through the vines that, hey, he does want to come back as coach, but he's not 100% about going past there. You mm-hmm. don't want to lame... Co- so I think it worked out exactly how Trotz would want it to. I think he would have coached, but I think he's happy with what happened. I think the Islanders helped him, I guess, get to that point. And they're paying him, too. Mr. Tom Boyle says... T-Boyle. Yeah. I have heard season ticket subscribers are not renewing. Have you heard the same? I've heard from certain season ticket people that they aren't renewing. In terms of a grand scale, I have a hard time with the Islanders, how passionate they are, people saying, I'm not going to renew. And then they get their bill... And they renew that second. So, like, again, actions speak louder than words. Right. Um, if you want change, I guess the thing to do would be not to. But I don't think that, like, 80% of people are just being like, you know what? This season was a loss. You got playoff games at UBS. At the very least, that was very important. Well, I know some people didn't renew because apparently what the Islanders did was anybody anybody who were current season ticket holders and didn't renew for next season, apparently, I don't know this for certain, but I'm pretty sure they got a bump in their playoff ticket prices because they didn't renew. Whereas if you did renew, you pretty much kept the lower prices compared to everybody else. And I'm sure there's some people out there that can verify that for me. But um, So that that tells you right away that some people already, before the playoffs even started, didn't renew. And, and listen, I don't blame them. I mean, you got you, con- you have another you have another wait and see summer here to find out what they're going to do. And you had a lot of that last year, and they had a better season. They got back into the playoffs. They they gave Carolina a good run, and and but the bar has been raised, right? They went to two semifinals, right? And so now, and they got the brand new building. Fans want to see more, and, and listen, these these tickets aren't cheap. So I, I'm sure they're waiting to see, um, you know, what this team is going to do this summer before they commit. The secrecy is probably bothering a lot of people. Which I don't blame them. They want to know. They should. I mean, I think fans deserve to know about injuries and stuff. But again, at the same time, I understand just, why players, uh, teams don't share. Like, the real issue the is ETC. I know why teams do it, but the real issue is they set their renewal deadline so early, right? Like yeah. they already say, hey, we're taking an auto payment out in February or whatever it is. <laughs> and like we still got four months of the season to go before I even know if I want to stick hey, around. If, if they did it at the end of January, that people would have been like, <laughs> nope. I'm yeah, good. right, exactly. But look, they do it so they can roll people back in. They throw out the so benefits. Marketing. If you if you renew now, you'll get an autograph puck or whatever it is, right? And look, that's the business. And and look, I guess we'll we'll see what happens. But I wouldn't be surprised if the the renewals are down. Dobrynovson asks: Pollock was outstanding in the playoffs. Where the heck has that been? Seems like we haven't seen that version of him in forever. I actually wrote. Pulak, outstanding, and then wrote his playoff <laughs> numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, well, he was... You uh, have it. First off, I think it just started for him with that monstrous hit on Jack Drury just to start the series. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. he immediately got into the playoffs and just he rolled at that momentum the whole entire series. He was by far the Islanders' best defenseman. He was... What, he had a goal? I wrote it down. Um, somewhere. 
<laughs> he had a goal and three assists. He was dynamite. He was getting shots through. Not on the, Obviously, he didn't get power play opportunities, but he was getting shots through. He was making key plays. He was much better, I thought, defensively than Pellick was. So I think, yeah, where has that been? I talked to him before the season. I said, listen, with Lambert here, with him trying to make more offensive chances, do you feel like that, you know, you could find your offense again? He's like, yeah, yeah, of course. It just never happened in the regular season. But, yeah, if he could find a way to carry that, into mm-hmm. next year, the Islanders need production from the back, and especially like Dobson's great what what, they, what he could do offensively. But another guy can't hurt that does that too. Hopefully, that's the next evolution of Ryan Pollock because yeah, he was he was the Islanders' best player in that series, hands down. Oh, he was he was outstanding sure. from game one to game six, and I think everybody's eyes got wide seeing that. And um, listen, if that's something he can he can bring for an eighty two game season and not just a six game series. I mean, I get it. You you raise your level in the playoffs, and maybe you're saving yourself a little bit. But if he can become more of a dominant, you know, I mean, look, he's already a top pairing defenseman. But if he can just hit that next level, especially if Pelic is gonna, if Pelic gets back to being the Pelic that we know, mm-hmm. Pulak doesn't have. Not yes, he has to focus on defense for sure. Mm-hmm. So he gets again. Pulak uh, Pelic was out so much this year, twenty one games, right? That Pulak had to play more defensive. You know, he had to change what he was doing a little bit because. Mm-hmm. He's got to cover for the best defenseman, one of the best defensemen in hockey, being out. But yeah, and people that could say, you know, Pulak's getting close to thirty, can't have a can't have like a career year. I'm sorry, Brock Nelson is the definition of age is just a number because he's peaking after thirty. Which he's been asked about it, like what's happening? It's confidence. It's getting the shot off. Trots, I think, I think you have to count his first couple of years with Trots. Don't count it with weight. And the things that happen because Trotz unlocked the potential of this guy. And he just keeps getting Absolutely. better and better. No doubt. No doubt. Ever since Barry came over, Nelson definitely reached the next level of his game. And he's been one of the best players for this team ever since. Ed, if you have one more quick one, we'll do it. And then we got to wrap this up. Uh, yeah. Uh, just to clarify this, Dobbin asked, again, uh, how do I get my hands on those Hockey Night New York Sparky Tees? I don't think that's... No, this, that isn't, is, that no, is official, this, is, this isn't official Islanders tee. Yeah, yeah. You, you can go for I, the Hockey Night New York jerseys, though, that are behind us. <laughs> sure, we got our own T-shirts. $5,000 bidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got blue or white. Which one do you want? We got some T-shirts and, uh, up on Public. Yeah, yeah. and uh, T-Boyle asks, is Gossip Bear a puck-moving D-man? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's... not great defensively, but that's that's not his job. Right. I think he's an option this summer. I do. He should have, quite frankly, with what... I'm trying to remember exactly what it was that they gave up, which was nothing. Mm -hmm. For sure, the Islanders could have done that. So there was a reason why they didn't do that, which might be a reason why they don't go for him. Maybe they saw something they didn't like, but Mm -hmm. they got him... The Carolina got him for absolutely nothing. Right. Well, look, we know that there's a, a, even a lot more that we could talk about because there's so much, so many questions going into this offseason and so many ways to break this down. But the good news is, even though this is kind of our season wrap, we will be back this summer in some way, shape, or form. Obviously, when some news breaks on and, on Lou and Lane, if, if something big happens, we'll be back. But uh, we're gonna be we're not going to be back regularly every week for the summer, but uh, definitely be around for the draft, for free agency, and uh, any big news. And, and if anything else pops up, we will obviously let you guys know on social media. We also are going to have some pretty good guests coming. So yes. we, should, we should tease that. Marketing. Yes, absolutely. We definitely have <laughs> some good guests uh, coming up this summer that are uh, kind of in the back pocket right now. So definitely stay tuned to us for that. But Ed, you can hit that uh, rap music and we can get out of here. 
So, folks, want to send a big thanks to Mikey Carver of Sports Grid for joining us tonight. Great stuff from him. And, uh, hey, a huge, huge thanks to our sponsors, starting with Donnie and Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Big supporter of the show. Uh, we love you, buddy. Thank you so much for all the support that you've shown us. And remember to check them out at their flagship location at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Check them out on the web at bluelinedeli.com. Also, a huge, huge thanks to John, Dom, Dan, and crew over at Lost Farmer Brewing Company. Really appreciate you guys hopping in with us this year. It's been a lot of fun. Looking forward to doing more fun stuff with you in the future. Check them out at 63A Second Street in Mineola and on the web at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And also a huge thanks to Neil, our new sponsor this season, over at Main Street Board Game Cafe. Great guy. Great stuff going on over there as well in Huntington Village. Check them out at 307 Main Street and on the web at mainstboardgamecafe.com. And also a very, very big thanks to Jay here at Floored Media. Love the spot here. We've been having so much fun here. It's been absolutely awesome. Look, looking forward to doing a lot more great stuff here, man, at Floored Media at 189 Sunrise Highway. Check them out at FloredMedia.com. And, hey, if you got your own podcast, got your own show, or any kind of media endeavors, definitely check them out. they got excellent stuff going on here. You see the production quality of this show, so check them out at FloredMedia.com. And, hey... Give a big thanks to Edzo on the buttons back there, pal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great stuff, pal. Always at the ready. Always at the ready. <laughs> we love it. And a huge thanks to my boy here, Stefan Rosner and Chris Botta for being fantastic, outstanding co-hosts this year. It's been a lot of fun. Help make the season great. And, of course, last and certainly not least, a big thanks to you guys out there. Tuning in live every week. Tuning in during the week. We really appreciate it. Getting involved in the chat. Getting involved with the questions. Uh, we hope you guys had a lot of fun. There is more fun to come. Stay tuned on social media. You can check Stefan out at... Stefan underscore Rosner on Twitter and The Hockey News. The Hockey News. You can check Chris Bot out at Chris Botta NHL. You can follow myself on Twitter at Shawnee Hockey. You can follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. For Stefan, for Ed, for Jay, my name is Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night in New York. We will see you soon.